Hello and welcome to the Pet Healer Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Mitzi Vargas, and today I have a friend with me, Hannah Barber. She's an extern doing some time at our hospital, and this summer, Hannah, we had plenty of um, externs, and I really thought you were a very interesting one. So I wanted to, um, first of all, um, see if you can share with our listeners, you know, why you got into vet school, because I, I always think um, that's a really interesting and telling thing, um, usually, at what age and when did you start going to vet school, because that's just, is it varies, it's the, it's the gamut of reasons, uh, obviously at the core is service and love for animals, but I just wanted to see if you could share it with us. Yeah. So I'm originally from southwestern Oklahoma and I went to Oklahoma State and did a degree in wildlife biology Um, and through that I did quite a few externships with farmed white-tailed deer and then as well as wildlife refuges and things like that. So when I graduated college I actually got a job at the University of Florida um, with their wildlife and veterinary um, departments and I was doing Um, necropsies on farmed white-tailed deer and infectious disease research, particularly with um, EHDV, so epizootic hemorrhagic disease virus, and then blue tongue virus, and then doing a lot of um, epidemiology and like benchtop lab work. And then um, after I did that for a little bit, I actually got hired on as a grad student. So I went back to school for a little bit um, and I got a master's in uh, clinical veterinary sciences through UF and I graduated in December of 2019 but before I graduated I kind of had to make the decision do I want to do DVM or PhD and I didn't love the idea of being trapped in a lab for the rest of my (laughs) life. Uh, I did a lot of extension work with farmers all throughout Florida and loved interacting with everybody so I thought um, I wanted to do vet school so I applied moved home for a little bit during COVID, did all my interviews, and actually ended up at Kansas State because of their NBAF uh, building that they were just opening up, which is um, originally in Plum Island, New York, and now it's at Kansas. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do a dual DVM PhD. And then um, they sent us home for, I think, like 16 weeks for COVID. So once we were done doing our um, cadavers, they had us all go home and I worked for my mentor back home, back in Lawton and um, loved it, loved doing everything with clients, didn't hate people like I thought I was going to hate people Um, and then kind of went from there, got uh, a work study with Dr. James Carpenter who's a big exotics guy, worked with all the exotics. I have have his book, so (laughs) big fan. Um, To do publishing and then ended up not because if I went back into academia, which I don't think is the plan anymore. So um, did a lot of stuff with the zoos and with exotics. And um, now I'm going to GP with hopefully a lot more exotics um, than just your regular general practitioner. Yeah. So I just thought it was super interesting because other people that I've interviewed, and myself included, we are like early age uh, vet or bust. Nothing would do, you know, it's just very, very laser focused, whereas you're a super smart person and have so much, uh, you know, knowledge accumulated and everything. And it was sort of like a gradual decision, you know, <laughs> kind of like 
kind of like instead of jumping head first, he's like, okay, let me just put my foot and, and then my leg. And so I just thought that was unique. Uh, actually, pretty much unique. <laughs> I don't have, I've had people that have switched careers, mm -hmm. but they were not like you. You're in the area, you're beating the bush around. But I have people that were completely opposite. They were like, um, Uh, one was a dentist and then it went to vet school and uh, the other person was a um, PhD in education, uh, you know, was in, you know, teaching other stuff and then all of a sudden, bloop, <laughs> you know, so it's, um, it, it's just uh, very uh, telling, you know, that, that there's so many avenues to the same goal and also that within DVM you could use it especially because your experience with research and everything that you can use this degree for so many things a lot of our listeners don't realize that GP you know the, because just they listen to me and I'm an integrity practitioner and a GP but there's just so much more um, and so much important areas that affect public health um, and that's you know that's something that we just don't appreciate sometimes so I'm glad to have you over. And then uh, another thing that I wanted to uh, touch base, this is the first time, right, that you have been introduced to seeing acupuncture and kind of like more integrative approach? Um, I think for small animal, definitely. I for grew horses. Yeah, I grew Tell up. Tell me about that, yes. <laughs> I grew up as a horse girl, I guess, and rode, I've been riding since I was about seven up until basically vet school started because I don't, do not have time. Mm -hmm. But um, I think throughout owning horses and riding horses and just having general wellness plans for horses. All my horses got chiropracted pretty regularly, got acupuncture if needed, you know, supplements, all that kind of thing. And then I know at school, we have quite a few equine practitioners that also practice chiropractic and acupuncture. And I know we have a couple small animal um, practitioners that at school that are acupuncture certified but I have it's not in the curriculum they don't talk about it um we have a few um integrative medicine clubs on campus um but that's isolate you know totally isolated from what we're actually doing in class and hands-on in clinics um like our emergency medicine clinic main clinician Dr. Durbin is went to the Chi Institute but she said I never get to do it because I'm too busy with With the emergency. emergency. And I think that the, the step that they need to see is integration. So like I said, you know, even in emergency situations here, we have Unambaya, we have a hemo abdomen or any kind of uh, bleeding uh, emergency. My technicians know to um, do some points, resuscitation points, things like that that are emergency Uh, and is not detracting from what we generally do, but we just add it to it. It's kind of like an extra tool in your tool belt. So how, you know, how do you think that, you know, how open are you to in the future sort of incorporating some of these things or even working with, you know, people that do it? Yeah, I'm definitely very open to it. I've seen it in horses my entire life. And then I've seen other, you know, of course, working here and then, couple other externships I've done um, just in this month because I've been here in Florida about a month and then I'll go back to Kansas. But um, I think it's, and I feel like it's starting to kind of, yeah. with the practical uh, on clinics, like our pet health rotation and then a couple other have collaborated with our oncology department. And I know Union Bion is something that 
we have added into our um, splenic sarcoma especially yeah. protocol. So anything diagnosed with that, we've given clients that option. And I know that surprised a lot of people that like, ooh, Kansas State's using an herb. Like, yeah, <laughs> good but, it, for them. but it is used in most ERs and everything because mm -hmm. it, it works. You know, it's hard to to argue with what works. Um, but I'm I'm glad also because of your experience as an owner of the of horses and seeing it in the horses that you're way more open-minded. Some of the externs that we've received this summer had never heard, seen, or even imagined that acupuncture had any evidence base behind it or any validity. And when we, you know, when I demonstrate, you know, certain anatomical markers are just peripheral nerve endings and things like that, it, they kind of like understand better. And when they see the animals, how they react uh, within the same office visit, you know, they kind of like be open. So in that you have an advantage because you've seen <laughs> that before. And so um, I think that the one thing that I wanted to ask you, what, how do you see the future? Because you are in the trenches, you're finishing next year, you graduate, you're taking the NABLI in a couple months um how do you feel you know what's your hope or your feel for the future of veterinary medicine it is changing and a lot of people are like doomsayers it's like oh you know it's just getting worse and mm -hmm. getting corporate and getting this and getting that but how is your experience you know what what's your um feeling about the future of veterinary medicine i think it's still a very positive outlook overall um when I was on, we have a community outreach rotation and they had us come up with our own like personal philosophy for veterinary medicine. And I think one of my biggest points on it was um, we talk about the human animal bond as being like one of the biggest um, important things to acknowledge and appreciate in veterinary medicine. And something that I feel really strongly about is that that human animal bond extends beyond a dog or a cat. It goes to so many different animals i have guinea pigs yeah <laughs> you know? like my gecko my yeah, 10 year your old gecko. <laughs> ge ten year old geckos uh, <laughs> and anything like things we buy at pet stores people are putting more and more effort into husbandry yeah. into management and those are members of the family and we don't need to limit that to just dogs and cats and then also that veterinarians are such trusted members of the community i feel like um, on that same rotation for community outreach, we worked with a lot of unhoused populations and people were prioritizing medical care for their animals versus them and were trusting their veterinarian to help them navigate life way more than they would help their human general practitioner. And I feel like I've seen that here with you as far as, you know, anybody would do anything you kind of told them to do. And I feel like most clinicians I've been able to work with that are very highly respected by their communities like they will do what not what they're told but so much as like what's recommended and they know that because you care for their basically child or <laughs> their pet that you are giving them the best recommendations for their life and livelihood in the long run and so I think as long as we as a profession can continue to build that trust and positivity and offer more options as far as treatment and palliative care I think is so important and it's a growing field right yeah. now with things uh with our pets getting older and us mm -hmm. putting more and more into keeping them healthy overall like I know um I know quite a few people that do the like mobile at home euthanasia, euthanasia. Mm -hmm. palliative, palliative care and everything and so 
And I think that's a big part of where integrative medicine is kind of growing as well, as mm. far as I have quite a few friends whose dogs of their childhood dog is getting elderly now. And so they're seeking other alternatives of how can I make my dog more comfortable during the kind of end times and not just picking euthanasia. Cause um, something, because I am a little bit older and I feel really lucky to have like a, my community of friends, they're human doctors. And so I have a lot of friends that are physical therapists and hum and medical doctors and pharmacists. And I kind of pick their brains. Okay, well, if this was a human, euthanasia is, of course, not on the table as a treatment option. So what what do you tell that? What do you tell your patient as far as having uh, disc disease and back problems or having renal failure and what's best case scenario, what's worst, and what can you kind of recommend their quality of life because they can tell you versus our yeah. pets aren't telling us. And mm -hmm. so that's been a really cool thing that I can bounce ideas off of the human doctors and see where their quality or where their uh, standard of care and quality of care is at versus where uh, we're at and hopefully get up to that level. Yeah. And I feel that we, we definitely try here to get to that level. Uh, to offer that same level because is what you're saying is is the perspective the perspective has changed it's a big paradigm shift from being property and I <laughs> next year will be my 30th year as a vet so um, so it's been definitely I can see within the last three decades went from being in the backyard on a property to being in the bed and a family member and also to dying early at eight. Uh, large breed living to eight was considered, you know, fairly the good good. Whereas now we having fifteen year old Labradors, fourteen year old Labradors. Therefore, the last four years of their lives, we have to be, ma or even more, we have to be um, managing chronic conditions that used to be end of them and before life. and live before so i think i definitely can see sit back and look at that shift happening and it's a wonderful thing <laughs> because i've always felt like a martian because i always thought they were part of the family and i love them even more than some family members <laughs> you know so um so the fact that the whole population is shifting there and that the medicine the gp medicine is focusing more on prevention and wellness and instead of just like waiting for them to be sick to come see you now we enter the game you know and we we're helping um get them to live longer and healthier and happier lives well hannah i thank you so much for um your time today and i hope that our listeners you know if you have any questions you can always um send us uh the questions in the platforms and i'll i'll try to shoot an email to Hannah if you have any questions about anything that she said today and remember to share with your friends and hit the notification button then you won't miss my next episode thank you and stay well and remember that from now on we're going to be uh, downloading every Friday a brand new episodes so you can be on the lookout for them uh, in the meantime visit our facebook page the pet healer podcast page uh, we also have a website the pet healer podcast.com and uh, it, we are in most platforms so you can uh, enjoy our topics thank you and until next time take care well thanks so much for listening guys 
information about this episode came from my book, Alvet, the Revolutionary Pet Care and Longevity Solution, available in Amazon at our clinic and soon to be an audiobook. So look forward to that. And this episode was sponsored by my practice, Orchid Springs Animal Hospital. And our website is www.osahvsinvictorets.com, osavets.com. There's a lot of information out there if you want some more information on integrative pet healing. And our Pet Healer podcast is going to be available in all platforms. So we're looking forward to seeing you again.